looking to buy or sell real estate? You've got questions. We've got answers. Welcome to the show. It's going to be great. Featuring Matt and Jen from Home Team for You. And now, without further ado, I present to you Matt and Jen. Hey guys, it's Jen Stodder. And Matt. And Matt. And we are back doing our second podcast. So, but who's counting? But who's counting? <laughs> we're, we're pretty excited. And um, the whole purpose of the podcast is to go over things that come up in real estate and kind of Madison and uh, talk about what's, what's been going on and what people are asking about. We did a, a video series and we had a really great response from it. So we figured we might as well do a podcast. And again, with us today are the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. Hello, Peanut Gallery. Wow. What's up? What's up? What's up for the Peanut Gallery? Yeah, make a little noise. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they love the Peanut Gallery. They yeah. love it. They do love us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh what's going on today? I think we should potentially uh, have some games. So we'll do that in just a second because uh, we have some fun games where we do some. Where uh, I win. Well, see, Matt and I might be a little bit competitive with each other. And um, we each get to try and sell a property or basically the same property. But um, I'm going to win. <laughs> Good one. So we do rock, rock paper scissors this time. Goes first. Um, Matt always wants to do rock paper scissors. Don't let him fool you with this. This is him just trying to psych me out. I'm still <laughs> going to win. I'm going to psych you out if I just win. Mm-hmm. So All right, what topics do we have for today? Mm-hmm. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> All right, sixty seconds to sell. 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 Ready? I win. You go first. <laughs> All right. You psyched out. Am I psyched out? <laughs> Never. All right. Welcome to Columbus. You can come on in and check out this affordable condo. This is priced at $99.9, and you can go ahead and get in here two bedroom, one bath. And there is plenty of room to be able to uh, function and uh, have all of your family over still once COVID is over. And there's also a detached garage. I know that's not on there. Here's our kitchen. The kitchen, Jen. Mm-hmm. There's some noodles. Hallway. Hallway, yeah. We Which got a hallway. Master bedroom. Is that the master bedroom? Yes. Look, it's got a TV in it. That's how you tell them master bedrooms these days. Mm-hmm. TV hanging on the wall. Spacious bathroom. Yeah. Six, five, four, mm-hmm. three. I'm going to crush this one. Done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> I'm impressed we didn't even say the where it was or anything. Hey, we hey, knew the price. I slept to go. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not adding anything. I'm just commenting. Jen did a great job. All I did was say what I knew about it instead of looking at the pictures. Let's see what you can say about it without looking at the pictures. We saw the pictures. But I wasn't, 
necessarily talking about the pictures. Oh. I was expounding my super knowledge. Mm. Mm-hmm. So now you can go ahead and cheat and look at the pictures. <laughs> Right, Matt, Matt likes going second so that he can watch the video yep. and get the fir- the the idea first. Rock paper scissors mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm gonna do any better. You ready? Yeah. Welcome to Columbus. Short drive to the Madison Market for this affordable condo in Columbus. If you work on the east side or downtown, a short drive. Nice, big, spacious living room and dining area combination. Living room as a walkout patio off the sliding door. And then down the hallway, you have, oh, this is the dinette. Turning. Into the kitchen. kitchen. Nice spacious kitchen, nice colored cabinetry, stainless steel fridge, nice stainless stove. Back down the hallway, you have a master bedroom, nice spacious master bedroom to fit your large bed. Walk-in closet and fantastic bathroom with a toilet. Second bedroom. It might have times up, right? That's it. You're done. <laughs> Winner. Let's do rock paper scissors from now on. I think we got to make you guys alternate from now on. Shut up, Zach. So if you think <laughs> if you think Gen One, we're gonna let the audience decide. Then leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes. And if you think Matt won, then leave a five-star review on any other streaming platform. That's how we'll know. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll count the five-star reviews. So, <laughs> show out for whoever you thought won that one. That's right. There's no winners and losers. But there is. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's a winner, Jen. No, no winners and losers, only fast sellers and slow sellers. That's right. Now, do we do we want to show the real property? Sure. Sure. All right, hold on. Let me pull it up. Give me one second. You guys... Uh, talk feel, amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Feeling a little of a clamped. Let me give you a topic. Yeah, give us something Give us something great to talk about here. Uh, what is the... Uh, last episode, we talked about giraffe attacks, so... <laughs> What other types of animal <laughs> attacks are you guys into? <laughs> top the giraffe attacks. Oh, man, you can't top that, though. Uh, you know, I feel like if there was going to be if there was gonna be one animal, though, that I really don't want to encounter in the in the woods of Wisconsin, and that's a... Uh, Sasquatch? Well, that that's fake. No, it's not. Uh, you the Zach, videos? you should see the shows that Matt watches. Go on squatching. Squatching. He, yeah, yeah, this talk. is why we, we have separate televisions. Squatching. Yeah, because yeah. Matt is, he's going to that special island. <laughs> what is the island show where they're digging for gold in mid- to oh. Middle Earth? You watch that show, and then you're hoping that Sasquatches are going to show up, and then you watch all the Sasquatch See, shows. Just wait. I'll I be think, watching it, and you guys will miss out. And I watch the ghost shows, and mine are real. Mm. <laughs> ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so here's the real property. 360 Sunset Road, Columbus, Wisconsin. So who had the most correct information? Bam. I did. You didn't say the price. I didn't need to. Saying. For it's anybody actually really nice. Columbus is a nice drive into uh, east side of Madison. They're definitely a I do. I do like drive. that drive. It's easy, and you can just set your cruise. And 
I mean, you have small town living, but you can get in really yep. easy. Prices are nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a nice looking condo, though. It go is back one. Go back one photo. One more. Oh, go forward. Nope. Go right left. Go good. right. Go like up. Go down. It's a pretty sweet carpet. Or is that a rug? It's a rug. It's pretty sweet. Looks like a liner. tree. <laughs> nice recliner, though. Matt has a thing for I brown do have a thing for recliners. recliners. <laughs> I could not. should do that. a show from a recliner. Yeah. Matt wants to be in his recliner 24-7. He's becoming his father. Phenomenal. <laughs> you can't blame him, though. They are comfortable chairs to sit in. So the only way I got the recliner is because we had, Jen said, you know, this recliner is not going to fit in the living room. So we had our team stager come in, and she laid out the prop, laid out the uh, living room and said, your recliner can go right here. But you have to buy this new lamp to anchor it. I didn't need the lamp. We needed the lamp. I mean, that's better than her telling you got to buy a whole new living room. So, mm-hmm. better, you know. And guess wins. what? Guess what color it is? Tan. Mm. That likes brown and tan. Got your. So, when we first had one of our finished houses, Jen had a. We had blue couches. We had navy blue couches and a purple chair. Awful. Mm-hmm. The purple chair was ridiculous. And we still have the purple chair, and I love it. It's still ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's in our bedroom. <laughs> Because it looks nobody sits in it. Because <laughs> it <laughs> might look like the '90s threw up, but it's okay. It's good. Purple and tan are good uh, color. Purple combos. and blue. Is it like a deep purple or is it like an obnoxious bright purple? It's, it's like deep, it's it? multi colors of of purple. Mm. It it's like it's like mermaid ge- purple. Ge- no, ge- no geometric. It's almost like squares. I'll I'll get a picture of it. I actually have a pillow made in the same fabric. Because that was a thing back then. And so you, then we can put those matching pillows on the blue couches to bring the whole purple goodness Custom together. pillows. Yeah, they were $100 for two pillows. But On the upside, if you just hang on to it long enough, it's going to come, come back. back in a style. You it's like going to be super retro. It's be like shag. Mm-hmm. You'll, be able to, you'll be able to sell that on Etsy for like a markup. <laughs> <laughs> Custom pillows, 150 each. Do you guys have shag carpet? Growing up, nah, no, I didn't grow up in yeah, the seventies. Like yeah, yeah, I wasn't born in eighteen twenty-one or whatever yeah. year you were born in. I mean, when year were you born? Uh, I was born in the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah, the twenty-first century. Well, I know so, Jen had shag in her when she was growing be, up. Being real, my grandma had a rake, and she would be like, "Go rake the carpet." Rake the carpet. And my mom would give me like a hairbrush and be like, "Go, why don't you go like brush out the carpet just to give me something How to, get to rid do?" Of your kid. Yeah, and so I, I would make designs in the carpet. You don't need a dolly. You just need a more carpet. And more they're wondering carpet. what happened to me. They're like, why is she the way she is? It's from all that carpet. So Jen still had, yeah, they got rid of the carpet. They just left a little square for Jen to, to brush. Oh. Then, then Jen went to college and had to like talk to her friends. They're like, did you have to rake the carpet? And they're like, you raked the, the carpet? carpet? Yeah. Inside it was this white, beautiful rake. Well, now I know your backstory is why you... Uh, Sell homes for a living. <laughs> Back to those carpet brushing days. Yeah, what kind of carpet? What flooring was in your houses growing up? Well, um, we had regular carpet. What's regular? What's carpet? regular plush? plush? Ones where you can't put like a brush into. Yeah, I don't know that. 
I'm not an expert on carpet types. I just know that we never brushed our the, carpet. The non-rakeable <laughs> carpet variety. We had we had a variety of floors uh, growing up. Actually, we had um, cheap carpet and super cheap carpet. <laughs> my mom, cheaper. my mom made sure to get carpet colors that had like speckles in it, so that mm. when we spilled stuff, yeah, it's call. easier to hide. So she had red speckles to hide the Kool Aid, or what? Yes, little little tiny. It, like we had like beige carpet with like little tiny reddish speckles and. The speckles came from the Kool Aid. <laughs> Could have. It's hard to <laughs> That's know. That's what chicken, she told you. Chicken yeah. or the egg? Yeah. It's it's. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yes. I do know a story when I was when they were trying to sell a um an apartment on in some prairie. This was back when I was like a baby in diapers. Um, <laughs> they they I had spilled this big obnoxious stain. I created a stain in the middle of the living room. And so when they had people to sell it or come over to see it, they plopped me down because I wasn't <laughs> old enough to walk yet. So they sat me oh, on the stain <laughs> so that I wouldn't move and I covered up the stain. And yeah, and they're like, oh, cute they baby. They came back and there's a stain that you just blamed the baby. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It worked out great. Yeah, I guess growing up we had like uh, just like normal carpet. We had like linoleum for the longest. And... Uh, like right by our patio door, it got all discolored because the sun would shine faded. in, yep. and like it got no, it didn't get faded. It got like it was like light colored with like fake tile pattern on it, and then it got like darker. It got like burned, and it turned Crazy. like brown over the years. And then from the sun, I've seen that before where the vinyl turns like a brown, like it's almost like it's burnt. Yeah, and then like I don't I, I don't even know when it was. Probably when I was around like ten, my dad went and like put in all new laminate in the whole like kitchen downstairs and everything so what color was the uh, floor in your kitchen growing up matt you're talking to me mm-hmm. your mat i think it was green mm. the house I oh was it yeah yeah green i'm gonna go with green it was green before they did the addition then it changed to like a beige did they have like uh did they do it up full on where they had like matching green countertops and like a green sink and then maybe you know, like a green mm-hmm. oven in there or something, too. Yeah, like the avocado green, Zach. That's what it's called, avocado green. Yeah, You had or a green harvest, oven? Harvest gold. Oh, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure we did. I don't remember, but I think we did. I'm pretty sure our oven was colored, but I know our floor was red with, like, black. And then all the, the wallpaper was fruit. So <laughs> it was, like, strawberries and, you know, oranges Everywhere and Schnozberries? so, so like, so like, the, so all of that stuff matched the red on the floor, and then there was a, a light fixture that was like all red glass. It had it to be Harvest fi- Gold fixtures then. I it it might have been Harvest had Gold. Avocado I I think it was probably, right. but the countertops, believe it or not, were white, white. with speckles. Yeah, gold speckles. Yeah, white with gold speckles, and then brown '70s cabinets. So make let's, let's make this podcast relevant to somebody. Let's let's turn this conversation into something useful. In in 2020, 2021, whenever you listen to this, 2022, what is the hot countertop texture material that you want ideally? Like what's going to sell your home more? Is it avocado green or is it titanium alloy or I think it changes. Like the granite, granite is pretty easy because they have a different pattern and different colors, but it's pretty much, I think it's, I don't think it, I think it's timeless. I think you have, if you have nice stone, it will be 
good for a while. Maybe piggybacking off that too, um, like what would be a good home improvement for somebody to do that's going to give them a good amount of like return on their investment? I know like some, some rooms are better than others. Do you guys have any like advice when people ask that kind of thing, what to go about doing? If you're going to be doing a remodel and you're thinking about doing the kitchen, the kitchen is usually going to bring back the best return. And then baths. Kitchens and bathrooms. Yeah, that's going to bring more than um, adding a man cave. And I think both of those items, though, are kind of higher ticket items, too. If you do a whole kitchen, you're talking cabinets, countertops, flooring, and maybe appliances. And bathroom, you're talking cabinets and countertops and fixtures. Sometimes you don't have to do the whole thing, or you could just put fronts on the cabinets. So there's there's ways to be able to upgrade kitchens that aren't quite so massive. We did a flip a few years ago on the north side of Madison, and the my business partner and I decided we were going to have the cabinets painted instead of replacing them. The cost came out to be this um, just a little bit higher than if we would have just bought new cabinets. Hmm. So there are things you have to take in consideration when you make those decisions. I believe that it's really technical to get in and paint those cabinets. It's labor intensive. It's a pain in the rear end. So maybe you don't think about it, but it is. Maybe something good to do on your own, but not necessarily pay for. Yeah. So in this crazy market, is it even worth the effort to renovate your home since things are selling so quick? I don't know if I would do major renovations. Maybe just deferred maintenance that need to be done. Deferred maintenance, if you have uh, wild colors, you may want to neutralize them. If you have spills or stains or holes in walls, things that people are going to come in and go, oh, that's work, I would take care of those things. But otherwise, no huge projects. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Mm-mm. That's a good point because you have a lot of buyers now paying a premium for the houses and they want to see that they don't have any work to do when they come in and after they buy them and close on them. Mm-hmm. And some of the things, when you live in a house, like in our house, there are things that we see every day and you just get used to them. And it's like, okay, there's that crack in the drywall, but a buyer's going to come in with buyer eyes and they're like, the house is falling down. Mm-hmm. There's a crack in the drywall. So you have to look at your house with buyer eyes to really be able to be like, okay, I do need to fix that. You do see a lot of times when sellers go to sell, they make the comment of, I've had this like this forever, mm-hmm. and now I have to change it or update it or fix it for the person that's going to be buying the house so they don't get to enjoy the repair at all. It's true that a lot of people, they do their inspection, they buy their house, and they're like, okay, I got a credit, I need to fix this, this, and this. It's the hugest deal on the planet and then five years later, we're talking to them about selling, and it's like, okay, did you fix the chimney? Oh, yeah, no. So yeah. a lot of times those things don't get, get done necessarily, and then they end up doing them right before they go to sell again, and they never get to enjoy them. So uh, I heard you kind of mention something about having a credit. Uh, so if somebody was selling and they had you know, something small that they needed to fix, like a maybe a small hole or... Uh, just anything that's minor maintenance, can they give a credit instead of actually having to go through the hassle of finding a contractor and having them come out and do that kind of thing? Or is it better to handle that beforehand? So with credits, it's it's interesting in real estate. Back when we first started in real estate, you could do credits of most any kind and then buyers could get cash back. 
But now when you get a mortgage, uh, mortgage companies don't let buyers just get cash back. So if you're going to get some kind of a credit, it has to be used towards paying for your closing costs or for your prepaids. So, um, and those credits just reduce how much money the buyer has to bring to closing. Mm -hmm. Mm. So they're not technically getting the cash directly, but they're just not bringing as much to closing to. But they can use the money that they would have uh, used to pay their closing costs to fix whatever they were going to, Mm -hmm. going to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Good question. That's what the peanut gallery is for. Thank you. Peanut gallery. Mm -hmm. It's doing our jobs. (laughs) So, <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. So for this episode, uh, the topic that I wanted to have you guys dive into as the pros, uh, Zach, let's go back to them so I could drop my, my sweet little title graphic here, is how to price your home. So I think this is a question everybody that wants to sell their house has to come to come to figure out and it seems like it's just a crap shoot like how how does one price their home when do you know how much a house house is worth at what point well, the moment it gets sold when the buyer determines the price right so do we know prices exactly what the final numbers will be walking into the closing or walking into when we list it it's more of an art and a skill to get the pricing right and then work on it from there. So going all the way around, when sellers are trying to figure out what their house is worth, what do they look at? They're, my neighbor sold for this much. I'm looking on websites. Tax assessments. Tax assessments. And those are all estimates and guesstimates, but they're not necessarily right. So it can be tricky to go in and as realtors were looking at the comparables and seeing what's really going on, diving into the neighborhood and sellers may have ideas. I mean, some people may be way undervaluing their property and others have ideas of grandeur for what their property is worth. So it, uh, there's definitely an art to it for sure. And also showing what, what's really going on. So what, what are like some of the factors that you guys uh, weigh in when you're trying to determine that house? Is it how many bedrooms in the neighborhood and, you know, like things like that? Like how, how, how do you come up with the number? You really start with the, the facts, like the square footage, bedrooms, bathrooms. And then if you can see the old or the photos of the comparables and you go back to the photos and see, okay, how, this, how does the condition of this property or the upgrades compare to... Uh, the subject property, the one that we're trying to sell. Do you find that it's um, harder to price a house for somebody that might be more attached to their home? Absolutely. Uh, versus somebody that's ready to move or eager to move versus, like, I guess when I think of somebody that's not necessarily looking to sell, they might have to relocate for a job or something uh, outside their control. Yeah, it becomes numbers versus emotion. Uh, emotional, emotional sellers or attached sellers, they do, um, it's, it's a longer process, I think, for us to go over the numbers, I think, for them. Yeah, one of the hardest is for folks that have put a lot of money into their property and they've put it into those uh, updates and repairs, like we talked about, that aren't necessarily going to bring that return. To them, they were very important and they matter a lot, but to the average buyer, they're like, 
I'm not paying you extra because you have a really great she shed, you know? Or it could be something like a new roof where mm-hmm. people expect that when they buy a house, there's a roof on it. Mm-hmm. So are you uh, getting that money back dollar for dollar? Probably not. Yeah. Well, what about that Tesla roof? <laughs> Tesla roof. The Tesla solar, solar roof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's Absolutely. do that. So do you guys have uh, uh, issues of trust? Like, you know, how dare you come into my house? I've been living here my whole life. How do you, you know, uh, where the, the, they think the realtor is just trying to, you know, pull a fast one on them or something? I think that just a matter of just showing what's sold in the neighborhood or in relative proximity to their house. I mean, we're not trying, we're just laying out the numbers and what's available and what is sold and say, okay, here's what's you are compared against to where the buyer's looking at multiple houses and here's what's actually sold. How close does this property come to yours? And just have a conversation. Yeah, we're, we're talking about facts. So here's what it is. We make recommendations, you make decisions. And do you guys feel like um, being on a team and having other agents around uh, when you're trying to price out a home like that to ask questions, is that like advantageous, beneficial versus just having maybe a solo agent that's going to look at the numbers or do you feel like it's kind of the same? Absolutely. We did that today with one of our agents. We sat down and he had a number of mind and he and I just sat down and looked at all the comparables and we came up with you know, a pretty close number, but... Um, We'll actually have the appointment tomorrow morning. And one of the things that I actually really like to do in some of our agent training is to take a property and say, okay, we are going to all do a market analysis on this property. And then I want everyone to explain to me why and how you came up with the number. And it, it's very interesting. And it, it's one of the things I've taken those to a seller before when a seller has said, you know, I want to be here. And I said, okay, well, I had a room full of 10 people do 10 CMAs on your property. And here's the range that we came up with. This is pretty hard to argue with. During so. those training sessions, when we have them fill out their comparables, just to see the different numbers that come up, um, they're very close, but they're you know within a couple thousand. Um, yeah, there's usually about a 10,000 yeah. Span. Um, it's pretty close. So when you're like getting ready to sell your home and you might just be thinking about it, I know that we, uh, we'll, we do stuff where we can give you an estimate kind of on the value of your home uh, beforehand, like a property assessment almost. Um, is it common for people to kind of get that done and they might not agree with the price? And do you guys recommend some changes then? Is that something that happens where somebody might think they need, they want to get a little bit more money and you guys make a recommendation on, uh, well, you might be able to get a lot of value if you just redid the driveway or, uh, you know, painted this room a different color type deal? Sometimes I think you have to go back to what it's going to cost versus what they're going to get back out of it. So if it's something that's um, that definitely stands out, whether it's a drywall repair or something simple like that, then absolutely. But um, it really depends on what the, the cost is to do it. Yeah. In my experience, it isn't so much that they're going to get so much more money back out. They're just going to sell quicker because it's going to have that whatever it was taken care of. So people are like, all right, it's done. Moving ready. Let's get her. And that could create that could create a bidding market in this in this market. Now it could create a bidding war to drive up the price if that one thing, whatever that might be, is updated or corrected. Um, I had a question. I forgot what you guys were talking about. 
Do you have Do you have any stories? I want to hear a story. I'm story sure, time. Yeah, give me a story. Is there time. story time music for this? Not yet. No. I can do. I can do our our story time. Story time. This is sixty seconds to sell music. I'm totally <laughs> abusing it right now, but it's a new show. We still haven't uh, worked it all in yet. So stories about pricing. Where where a uh, client just was not having it. They didn't want to listen to you. We could use our own experience. <laughs> sure. Go, go ahead. So in 2006. What happened in 2006, Matt? Absolutely nothing. The market, be- <laughs> the market, market went a, down. Yes, it went so bad. So we were, we had our house, it was generally our house, and it was pretty much almost done. And we hadn't sold our house in Madison at that point. And we just had a baby. Just had a baby. Just Carson was our number two. Mm-hmm. And... We got an offer, and Jenny, you want to talk about the offer we got? In so back then, the market was totally different. So it was a buyer's market. A buyer's market. A lot of the agents that are in the market right now probably have no idea how to work a buyer's market. But in, in this market, what the buyer did was they made their offer on our property. They also made an offer on another property, and they said. Whoever's willing to give us the best deal, that's who we're going to go with. So it was basically like a reverse subject to sale kind of clause. So we had to come up with our best terms, and then they eventually did opt to go with us. But uh, in this transaction, we were acting as our own agents, or I was acting as the agent, and Matt was acting as the seller who thought his house was worth way more than it was. (laughs) It was. So I had to convince him that for the market climate that we were in, we needed to come back with our uh, best offer for these folks. And they ultimately decided to go forward with our house. We're horrible sellers. He's a horrible (laughs) seller. I'm fine. What was the market climate at the time? Well, the market crashed, so you had a lot of it. So, so what year was this? 2006. Previously, we talked about absorption rates at low twos or under two. Or under one, and at that point, you're talking a balanced market at six. So this is probably like seven or eight, six, seven or eight. Oh, it's probably, probably eight. Yeah, I mean eight or nine. I mean it was there was a lot of inventory, tons of inventory, and no buyers to be found anywhere at all. So how do you adjust your your price based on that? It's funny the in that time when the market crashed, it was like it wasn't like a something you saw eventually evolving it was like overnight mm-hmm. it was like the next day you're just like nothing you're nobody's buying i don't remember what interest rates were i don't think they were too outrageous but um, and we were actually on vacation and i was like wow this is the best vacation no one is calling us <laughs> yeah and we came back and found out why <laughs> and then we got back and we we're like oh this is not fantastic yeah and that's when you had a lot of the properties being foreclosed on and Short sales. and But when it came to pricing, we had to make sellers understand. So we really did use those absorption rates a lot where it would be like, okay, here's your neighborhood and here's where you stack up. And if we price here, you're going to be on the market forever. Is that what you want? Is that okay? It's a tough discussion to have. Like right now for the sellers, it's a, it's a fun conversation because they're profiting. Winning. Their properties have gone up. Um, in that time in the market, it wasn't, those were not fun conversations or appointments because you have to say, okay, if you have to sell, here's where you're at. 
And then sellers are like, okay, I might break even, maybe. Yeah, a lot of people weren't breaking even, which uh, was tricky. When you when you are in a in a market like that, do you see more people that might be initially thinking about moving, but then once they realize that they they might sit on the market for really long, uh, or they're gonna get you know just market value or not over or something, do they do they decide to wait and see what happens, or is it typically people still just run with it and you just do what you can in this in that kind of market i would say a lot of people did wait but that being said we just changed how we what markets we were using so we did the short sales we did the foreclosures uh, because you did have a, a a large percentage of the market that was short sailing you know a couple foreclosures here and there but um for people that had to sell they were not making what they could have in a seller's market yeah, a lot of the sellers were only selling because they had to. So we're we're in a, a market right now that's really hot. Like we are the opposite of all of the sadness we're talking about <laughs> yeah. right now. Yes. Right, heavy but, market. But you know, it like educate me. But I know that in like the stock market, this would be like the euphoric phase, right? This is when we're exponentially going up and everything's great. Everything's great. That's the moment when it all shifts and turns around, are we at a moment where the market's going to crash? Is it so great right now for sellers because in a month or two, something's going to happen and it's just going to reverse course? Hard to say. I mean, like I said, that last correction came overnight. Uh, we still do have, I think, because back back then, part of the problem was a subprime, subprime market um, that we're giving people 100 or 110% so they get 10% when they bought a house, they got 10% back in cash or whatever that amount was. And they went and bought a car, truck, mm-hmm. furniture, uh, where now the the lenders don't do that. Yep. You have so. that. And one of the main reasons why all of the experts are saying that we're not going to have another crash like that is because there's so much more equity in the market. People, I mean... Back in 2006, people could get loans, I mean, and then you could just keep refining, and then they would buy jet skis and all of this stuff that had no, assets. Yeah, that, that had no value. And now people are just letting their equity build up. There's more people buying with cash because people, re- I mean, remember what happened. So they have that equity position, so they're not going to lose their homes. It's hard to say that we'd ever have a cr- another crash like that, but I think we will have a correction. So if we don't, I could see the only thing adjusting it, though, would be interest rates. So mm-hmm. interest rates would be a big factor. If interest rates start creeping up, that would slow the market down, but it wouldn't crash it. Yeah, it, it would definitely slow it, but all of the folks that I'm listening to are predicting that there aren't going to be like a huge foreclosure Boom, because there are some agents that are like, okay, I'm waiting and I'm ready to do all the foreclosures again. And it's like, I really think you're going to be waiting a long time. Well, the foreclosure issue is that the property values and the cost for them are so high now, you can't really buy a house and then plan on flipping it because the cost initially is so high that you're not going to make any money back on it. So, yeah, it's a totally different uh, market. Well, I mean, they, they, you hear all the time with COVID that there's, I mean, as far as renting goes, I'm not 100% sure when it comes to mortgages, but renting, there's renting freezes and stuff. And they're saying that as soon as all of that gets lifted, you know, people in, that are renting are going to be 
you know, the landlord's going to come knocking on the door saying, hey, I need your seven months of rent that you haven't paid due now. Are, are, is that type of stuff happening in with mortgages and homes? Well, there's mortgage forbearance. Yeah. Is that happening right now with COVID? I don't know if you see a whole lot of it in our market. Um, I think there's a lot of stability in where we live right now with the insurance companies and universities and um, government jobs. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of a lot of that. So knock on wood, but with all of the rentals and things that we have personally, we don't have anyone that is behind. So and maybe we're just really great at picking renters, but uh, it's it's been good so far. I mean, we've had people that have had to say why well, I might be a little bit late, but it, it works out. So hopefully we do not see that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's market-based or that you guys are good at picking out your renters? Is that, is that an isolated thing or is that, or is the news just, uh, you know, um, let's say. Hyping it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not always. I mean, from our experience, there's a little bit of hype, but I'm sure there are definitely situations. Cause I mean, I helped somebody purchase a property and those tenants immediately refused to pay their rent, but then, Mercifully, they decided that they were going to move and I might have done a dance because they could have been the first one where they just weren't going to pay and then we would have sort of been stuck. But uh, luckily, they decided to move, which worked out. But I think locally, we've, we've been pretty lucky as far as our market goes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, oh. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see how uh, COVID's going to, if it does anything with all the policies and the world's just so crazy right now. I mean, did you guys, uh, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, when, when the whole world started shutting down earlier in the spring, did you, um, what did you think was going to happen with the real estate market at that time? You know, it's crazy. If you think about it five years ago in our industry, or at least for our team, we couldn't have done what we did. Um, we turned, you know, we didn't really, our team functioned as normal, uh, virtually, Mm. you know, we turned on the, turned on zoom and just carried on. So for, uh, what middle of March through first of June, we were virtual and, uh, our team went, uh, started to do their virtual tours and, you know, carried on with the CDC recommendations and kept going. Did you have any thoughts though? You're like, oh, the market is going to go a certain way. I don't know that we thought or had any bad thoughts about what might happen. I think we're usually really optimistic and I don't, maybe it, it's too, too, you know, optimistic, but the way that I look at it is I'm going to dig in and I'm going to do the things that we need to do for us to be successful. So I knew that we would be okay market wide if the market was going to go one way or another we were going to pivot and we were going to win so it wasn't something that was horribly scary we went through 2006 so we knew you know that we just had to be ready for whatever Mm -hmm. we were learning and listening and figuring out how to work with the market and be able to talk to our clients and I think the biggest thing was to be able to reach out to our clients and be there for them because a lot of them were worried and they just wanted to talk to somebody. 
So being that person for people was was something that a lot of us did. And just uh, think about out. what we've learned in the past, this middle of March, as far as vir- going virtual, all the virtual tours. Um, I've bought more hand sanitizer in the last few months <laughs> than I have in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but Everyone I think we've, has, yeah, yeah, I think we've learned a lot of things from COVID. I think we've learned that we can function as a society and as real estate industry. It's just a matter of how we do it and which way we go with it. Yeah, that I mean, because I know when we got in, our big thing was doing a mega open house. Mm-hmm. When you have COVID going as a pandemic, you don't want a mega open house. So it was like, okay, how are we going to figure out how to do this? How can we do this with Zoom? Figuring out the technology. And, you know, you just dig in and do it. It didn't take us long to adjust either. It seemed like, no. you know, it was a couple of days and then we were just right on Zoom with the admin staff mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, with the team and, you know, making phone calls to the team and going over things. Yeah, but either in the t- part of that is that we have an awesome team. So it was yes. like, all right, everybody will talk to you at nine o'clock. We'll talk to you at one o'clock and everybody knew what they were to do. So it wasn't like people were at home just taking naps. If you know, if you think about Zach, it, like five no, six years ago, <laughs> five or six years ago, before Zoom or Blue Jeans or all these virtual things that we they weren't available. Blue Jeans. Yeah, there's actually a Blue it's Jeans comparable to Zoom. It's called Blue Jeans. Why would why would you call it that? This, I, if you're on a virtual meeting, that's the one time you don't wear pants. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's Maybe called that's Blue why Jeans. Maybe that's why they call it because you can wear Blue Jeans. <laughs> those are your blue. Those are your pants. <laughs> they weren't gonna call it underwear. <laughs> it's funny the. The Zillow advisory board that we're on, they use blue jeans, and I had the hardest time figuring out what it was. They said, oh, we'll be on blue jeans. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is blue jeans? I'm only using sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Short shorts. Mm. Oh, boy. I want to see all that. I don't have that app. <laughs> I think the hardest thing was haircuts. Oh, my goodness. Haircuts. Mm. Yeah. Not we for were, me. We were... Uh, living at our um, place up north and uh, took the kids. So uh, March 15th, I went to pick up things at the local grocery store, walked in and there was nothing on the shelves. <laughs> so I called Jen and said, hey, we're going north. So we went up to um, went up to our place up north and stayed there for three months and functioned normally, I guess. Yeah, we, we ran the real estate company from our lake house, which was fine. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody... I don't know. It was it was an interesting like situation where I feel like everybody just like simultaneously understood what like nothing is going to be how yeah. we how we had had it before even just a day ago and just everybody kind of immediately just moved into the new space as best as possible as quick as possible with agents doing uh, like virtual open houses and all that stuff. Isn't so. it crazy how fast it happened though? I didn't I didn't see really. Uh, it wasn't like oh crap. It was everybody just did what they had to do and took care of it. I don't want to stir the pot. This isn't. This is <laughs> supposed to be a real estate podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm just all I'm thinking about when we talk about this stuff is, uh, you know, back in the spring, uh, we went into emergency shutdown mode and the mm-hmm. world was ending. Yep. But if you look at the reality of the situation now, things now are far, far worse than they were in the springtime. But we act and talk a lot of times like it's over, like we're over the hill. But if you look at the data, it's like the hill, we have, we're at the bottom of the hill. It's still, still we're, climbing. We're going up so bad right now. It's, it's, it's weird, like how our 
psychology we've just adapted and we're like, oh, we're over it. And it's like, we're no, we're not over it. We're just used to trauma. I think it's, it's so different because, you know, you guys are probably eight to 10 feet away from us right now. Um, I think everybody's used to what they have to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing, I don't think we're seeing the results we had or that we wanted, but it's uh, interesting to see how everybody's gotten used to six feet apart. Like I said, hand sanitizer, masks, and the whole deal. How we've been functioning is, if the whole society was functioning, how we've been functioning in with real estate, I think we our numbers would be a lot better because everybody's taking it very seriously. They're wearing their masks. They're six feet apart. They're washing their hands. I mean, even when we set up our studio here, it was very important that we were able to have our distances and things like that. Matt and I are married, so it's okay that we don't have mask on and we're close, but you guys are wearing your masks, mm-hmm. you know, and if people followed all of those guidelines, I think it would just be that much better. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cool to see the news things like now, even for the listings we put on the sign on the door say, you know, use hand sanitizer. Stop touching things. Don't touch stuff. <laughs> we don't we'll have the seller turn all the lights on and just leave the lights on when you leave. Um, we've even gone so far, I think, as some point to leave the cabinet, you know, a couple cabinets open so people can see what it looks like inside the cabinets. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think, I think with the timing of this podcast, when it comes out, it's going to be right about in the middle of emergency order number 10, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, anybody listening to this podcast way in the future, we are currently <coughs> under a no gatherings lockdown. Basically, Thanksgiving is canceled lockdown. That's the best way to put it uh, until December 16th. Um, how do you, do you, it doesn't really seem like that's really impacting the real estate and the game plan uh, at, at all. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I think even, even showings, I mean, granted, we're not doing open houses like we used to, but showings are, you know, you talk about a realtor, maybe a husband, wife, or a partner's. You know, it's three people in a house that's, you know, a couple thousand square feet. They could even social distance. They have the hand sanitizer. They have the gloves. They have the masks. Yeah. I think also just like one of the reasons that real estate has been able to operate successfully during this time is people just take it serious. You know, you're going into somebody's home and uh, you're going to be walking around. And I think at least here at Home Team for You, we're able to just like conceptualize that and treat that house and that home and those people as if somebody was potentially coming into our house to look at it uh, if we were selling. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's the same. Dane County is, um, has been doing it for a while. And you notice other areas, like right now our kids are virtual and have been since the beginning of the year, but I don't think other school districts and other counties are doing that. They're just making this, no. or even the other states. I think I just saw New York um decided to go virtual now full-time i'm like what took you so long yeah well, a lot of wisconsin is at real people in class that a lot of them are, are switching to virtual mm-hmm. except for k through two well we we have an agent on our team that's uh attends uw madison and i don't think he's totally virtual i think he still has some in class i think he I has a couple he, lectures yeah a couple lectures but the rest of our virtual it's worked out. It's been okay for us, but our kids are older. Having younger kids and having to mm-hmm. Google how to, <laughs> you know, what's the median and the mode and <laughs> all of these things and relearn math. Oh, my goodness sakes. Yeah. So if, if the kid is like middle school, it's terrible. They're a little bit younger, 
You know, if they're like third grade or under, I think you can handle it. Then but it's but just, that's even scarier because that's all of their basics that they need. So it's like if you flunk, your kid might not be able to read. So no pressure there. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, good thing I don't have any kids right now because who knows how that would go. They'd be like, two plus two is five? <laughs> oh, what was your dad teaching you during quarantine? What's your dad's name? Oh, yeah, I taught him. <laughs> right, they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> And now I, I I should be I should be slightly cautious about what I say because my wife is a teacher she's a first grade teacher so I do have a lot oh, of yeah. like what secondhand experience I guess mm-hmm. and and what I've found is super interesting is that there's actually benefits to the virtual learning even for little kids because what has become different is now there are moments of the day where the teacher gets to work one on one or maybe maybe a very small group and they can really help the kid in that short period of time. And then you send them off on their way. And, but, but the biggest difference is, is that um, our society has been used to, like, you, teachers are the, are the therapists. They're teachers. They're, you know, the nutritionists. They're the police officers. The referee. The referees. Yeah. They've been everything. And now they're just kind of teachers. And they can't, they can't control uh, what's going on. And parents have had to step in. And so the success of, of kids is really dependent on how well the parent is a parent. Um, some True. parents that are not so great, and I'm not going to name names, but I have a few in my head. Uh, <laughs> so I got to be careful here. Uh, their, kids, their kids might not be doing so well, but it's not the teacher's fault. It's the, the parent is just not, is not uh, you know, in getting involved. And so... It's really weird because we're also in this weird mode of like this whole no kid left behind kind of thing. It's like you can't really hold them back, but they really need to be held back sometimes because they're this virtual environment's just not working for them. So what's next? What happens when COVID is uh, well, longer? It's we a, actually, and I think it's gonna be harder to get back to where we were because we're so used to virtual. Do some kids still save stay virtual because the parents aren't uh, ready for them? I'll tell you what's next is actually worse than what's going on now. What's next is hybrid. Yeah, true. And what's happening with hybrid, and it's already starting to happen again with like K through two because apparently somebody somewhere says that little kids aren't impacted by COVID even though they can give it to the teachers and spread it around just as good as anyone else. Aside from that, what's next is is hybrid. So uh, parents are choosing to either send their kids into school or virtual. And so now that thing I just talked about before where the where – the, um, the teacher gets to work one-on-one on a Skype lesson and the kid's on the screen for a little bit of time and then, they, then they're done. Well, that's over with. Now, if you stay home, that kid is going to sit on a Zoom call for an entire school day and watch a class happen. Yeah. Now, can you imagine like an adult trying to watch a, a Zoom meeting all day? It's not possible. Like That's what little kids are doing now. They're going to have to sit and if they choose to stay home to be safe, they have to have the attention span of like, military seals or something in order to get through a day of class or they're going to be in school and they're going to be social distance unable to interact unable to touch unable to do this the teacher is going to be distracted and so like we're transitioning into this thing that's just as awful like it's it seems better but it's worse and uh it's just it's a nightmare it's gonna be a nightmare for a long time for kids i feel super bad for them what is the I think a lot about the like social implications of like how people are going to interact and just like 
uh, just like reading other people's emotions and everything. And like, I don't know, I feel like uh, I personally went to public school my whole life. And I feel like a lot of just like interacting and like developing as a person happens when you're in school and uh, seeing other kids. So I'm really a little bit interested and honestly a little bit concerned about how that's going to like all play out long term for well, some as of you guys kids. know we do a lot of uh, personality tests on our team and jen and i were talking about this in a class this morning about all of the people that are introverts and they they probably haven't noticed that much of a change for them right <laughs> but it's the people they're good people that are extroverts that want to be out and have to have that interaction with people they're the ones that are mm-hmm. are uh taking the hit i think personality types that want to be giving people a hug and a high five and hanging out and talking those that's tough but even going back to like I mean honestly even though I can talk on a mic or whatever I'm an introvert like I would classify myself as an introvert because I'm not you know I just I just do what I do but kids you know they need that interaction they need that real life hit (laughs) I would say some do like our youngest son definitely would benefit from it our older son's like eh whatever but so, how old is your oldest son? Uh, he's 16. Our youngest is 14. But they are, there's things that people aren't realizing. Like our kids are talking to their friends all the time right. because they're doing video games online. So they're talking to their friends or talking to people in Europe. Mm. They you don't know. have the physical touch or mm. the being close to somebody, but they have. They're the still communicating, communicating with people. Yeah. I think the littler kids are the ones that are suffering a lot more. They're in right. those developmental stages and they don't have, they're just not, I mean, maybe they're chatting i don't know Can kids i think they text? are because our uh <laughs> our youngest nephew you know he's probably second or third grade now but he he did plays games against carson our oldest one and they chat yeah that, that's funny you guys say that i almost feel like after you guys mentioned that i almost feel like a, just like old saying that you need <laughs> physical interaction to like read oh a person because yeah. to the same degree i feel like some of these kids if they were to listen or hear this would be like, oh, these guys don't even know what they're talking about. Like, <laughs> we don't, people. we don't, we don't need to go see him. Like, I just talked to him for eight hours yeah. while we played video games. Or I think you have that in high school, though. Like, I think even Caden and Carson, being in sports, they get that they get to meet with their friends and talk to them or whatever. But after school's over, if they're not in a, that sport for that season, they're going home right away. It's not like they're hanging out at school and mm. so they still come home and they play video games against each other and talk to their friends. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a. Uh, but I think you're right, Jacob, the uh, younger, the really younger ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Caden and Carson, they they both kind of feel that when we say, how was your day? Because we're so used to saying, how was your day? They're kind of like, well, all the good parts are gone. There's just the school part. <laughs> so. Right. School isn't the highlight of well, you their get to, day. You get a snack whenever you want. Oh, my gosh. We go through four gallons of milk a week, and Jen and I don't drink milk. Yeah. <laughs> four gallons? Four full gallons. Yeah. Man, that's yeah. a really going. Yeah. I can't I can't say we did that much, but there's a skinny cow out there. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, my brother used to drink a bunch of milk like that though too and like he would have his own like my mom had to buy him his own milk cuz he would drink so much. His own so. cow. Yeah. I just got a text a little while ago asking what's for dinner for right. our oldest kid. <laughs> <laughs> I said cereal. <laughs> drink your milk. <laughs> drink your, it'll fill you up. Just drink right. a gallon. They've gotten very good at making pizza and having cereal. Grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could cook for me then. <laughs> yeah, they don't do too much leftovers. They got Where do they them. get that from? You. 
All right. Well, this podcast has gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm cool with it. Yeah. I think we got some real talk in yeah, here. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a lot of real talk in there. Real talk. Real, real, it's not BS talk. The, uh, we should change it to real talk. Real estate talk. Real, real estate real. <laughs> real estate real talk. It's going to be great. Yeah, I just went through all this thing about how life is going to get worse, but our podcast is called It's Going to Be Great. <laughs> <laughs> For real, it is going to be great. It is, I mean, we need positive attitudes and everybody doing their part, and it is going to be great. It's going to be great. For real. I was just going to say, great. that's like the whole premise behind it. When the odds are a little iffy, still got to just nose to the grindstone. Power through. You got to do it in positive attitude. That's, I mean, really, that is how you get through. Even if you're like, okay, I'm 80% sure I can do it, just do it. And it'll happen. So. Sometimes it's okay to turn off the news. Yeah. Turn off the news and turn on our podcast. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, like, good. comment, subscribe, five-star ratings. Let's do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Matt. All right. Is that we call not a wrap for today? It's a wrap. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode.